Welcome to Coffee and Converse. I'm Diane and this is a show for lifestyle entrepreneurs, those people building a business to support their life instead of living to build a business. If this is you, stick around for strategies on doing business more efficiently with more ease and in a way that feels oh so good to you. Hey, hey, today's guest, Helena Bowen, is a speaking coach and speechwriter who helps entrepreneurs explode their impacts. And she's back on the show because she won't stop telling me to get on TikTok. And I figure if I'm resisting it, I can't be alone. Hey, Helena, welcome back to the show. Hello, Diane. I am so excited and I'm so excited that you are finally letting me talk about TikTok because all I want to talk about is TikTok and all I've been talking to you about is TikTok. And I think if you're listening to this, Maybe you have some of the same tendencies and resistances as Diane does. So you're going to love this. So you were on episode four. You were one of my very first guests. But I still want to start with a bit about your business journey. So that if anyone hasn't gone that far back yet, they still get to meet you. Great. Yeah. So I intended to work in Hollywood. I went to film school, graduated from film school, moved out to Los Angeles. My plan was to work as a director of photography, cinematographer in Hollywood, maybe eventually become a director or producer or something like that. And so I got out here to LA, started working on sets as a camera assistant. And that's the person who does all the very technical stuff with the cameras. You set up the camera, you measure the focus, you change the lens, you make sure it's working, you clean it, all of those things. It's also the person who does the little clapper board in front of the lens. And I loved being on set, but I very quickly discovered that I hated working in the camera department. And the reason why is because I expected it to be a very creative job. Like I love taking photos. I love kind of the art side of photography, but it was an extremely technical job, especially because most film cameras these days aren't film. It's digital cameras, which are basically really, really, really incredible computers. And so it was almost more of like computer science job than anything, which is something I have literally no interest in. So after, you know, a month or two doing that in Hollywood, I was like, "Ooh, I don't like this. But all of my friends were also doing it. So I really felt like I had to stick with it. Like I didn't feel like it was an option to not like it. So I continued doing that for, I don't know, maybe a year and then kind of miraculously actually injured my back. I ended up having to do physical therapy for eight weeks. I know it's a weird thing to say miraculously injured my back, but I think in hindsight, it was a really good thing, even though at the time it sucked. But the, during that time when I had to do physical therapy, I basically couldn't do any sort of real physical labor and working on set in the camera department was very physical. You're constantly lifting things, moving things. And so in that time, it really forced me to kind of reflect on my situation and start to recognize that I really wasn't enjoying that job. So in that time, I ended up switching over to the production department. So I started working in as, as an assistant director in Hollywood and I loved it. The assistant director is basically the person who oversees everyone on set. So you know every everything everyone's doing. You're talking to the wardrobe department, the makeup department, the camera department, art department, everyone, and kind of coordinating everything. And I thought it was a really, really fun job. But I actually hated the lifestyle of that as well. And something people don't know, I don't think, until you work in Hollywood, is that the average working hours of someone on set is a minimum of 12 and realistically, more like 14, 16 hours a lot of the time, five days a week, sometimes six days a week. You just have this totally unpredictable, unsustainable lifestyle. 
And I started looking to the people who were much older than me, the people who were, you know, in the time I was in my early 20s, people who were like 50 and seeing how really, really burned out they were, but also the fact that a lot of them didn't have kids or families, or if they did have kids or families, they didn't get to see them almost ever. And so I started thinking, I don't know, even though I love this job, I don't know if this is going to work out. So in that time, one of the things that I was really passionate about and just kind of loved as like a little side thing was watching TED Talks. This was after the time that TED made the decision to post all of their talks online for free, which when they did that was pretty revolutionary. Of course, now it's commonplace to see content for free all the time online. And so I'd been watching all these TED Talks and thinking, huh, you know, maybe I should get involved with this. And my original intent was to maybe do a TEDx event in LA or something, just as a little side activity to what I was already doing in Hollywood, especially because there's a ton of crossover in those skills, right? You're writing a speech in Hollywood and you're writing a script for a TED Talk, right? You're producing a movie, you're producing essentially a theater production for TED Talks. And so that was my intent was to just dabble in it as as a hobby. So I went to Vancouver to get the training from TED on how to become a TEDx organizer and then started volunteering. And my volunteer job quickly spiraled into something massive (laughs) while I was working at HBO. And then eventually I left HBO to start my own business. So now I'm a speaker coach and speech writer and I help not just TED and TEDx speakers, although that's probably the majority of my business at this point, but I help really any professional entrepreneur, executive prepare for really important speaking engagements. Wow. I always like it when somebody has like a really unusual backstory. So TikTok, you have been, let's face it, banging on to me about TikTok for probably since your last episode a year ago. Yes. And what finally got my attention was you telling me that you had batched 50 TikToks in a day, in a weekend, something like that. That became more interesting because TikTok seems so time consuming. I love watching TikToks. I find them highly entertaining. I have my favorite people, but I'm always like, this must take you so long to put this together with all the like little editing and all the little finicky bits. So please explain how you did 50 TikToks in a day. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for letting me talk to you about this formally because I'm just so thrilled to just dive into it. Okay. So here's the thing that's interesting about TikTok is the app is amazing and I really hope they don't change it. I hope they don't go the Instagram route of messing everything up because the TikTok app itself is awesome and makes it really, really, really easy to create and edit videos. And that's something that I found really interesting when I was first a TikTok user and wanted to get into making content, but I didn't really know where to start. I talked to some of my friends who were already doing well on TikTok And I expected them to tell me that they were like setting up their camera, recording a bunch of takes, editing it, kind of like people will do for YouTube, IGTV. And almost all of them said, oh, no, we just use the app. And so most creators that I've spoken to are using the app to make their videos. And the app is designed to make TikToks, which sounds really obvious, right? But it's designed to do the thing and it does it really, really well. So it's actually very easy to do it quickly and it's easier than ever now that they've added some functions like captioning, right? Back in the the early days, a year ago when I was making TikToks, I had to 
caption everything by hand. And that was really the most time consuming thing. Of course, you don't have to caption TikToks, but I think it's a good idea just from an accessibility point. But now they have auto captioning. So it makes it super easy. Really, you could record an infinite number of TikToks in a day if you wanted to. That weekend that I made the 50 TikToks in a weekend, it was actually in a day. And I think it was over the course of, I don't know, six hours or so. And it was easy and also really fun. And I think that's part of the reason why I keep going back to TikTok is because I find it fun. I know we had this kind of come to Jesus talk over New Year's. And by that, I mean, I was like boxering you in a panic. And the problem that I've always had with social media is that I don't find a lot of social media fun. Like I personally, if I didn't have a business, I would absolutely not be on Facebook or Instagram, probably not be on LinkedIn either. I don't find either of them, any of them remotely fun at all. Like I just don't want to be on them. Whereas TikTok, I love being on it. I love creating content. I find it really fun and really easy. And so just thinking about the sustainability of my business, it doesn't feel like a chore to me to make TikToks, whereas it feels like a chore to me to write an Instagram post. Okay, so let's talk details. I like a system. Yes. Walk me through how you recorded 50 TikToks yeah. in six hours. What exactly are these TikToks and how are you creating them? Great question, because that actually covers a lot of misconceptions that I hear and from people, because I think the media has done a horrible job of representing what TikTok actually is. I think because of a lot of ageism in the media. TikTok is so much more than dancing and lip syncing. Of course, TikTok got its start in the world of dancing and lip syncing. And when you first download the app and you first look at it, that's the first thing they're going to give you is dancing and lip syncing because that's what the app is known for. However, at this point on TikTok, anything you could imagine on any social media platform is on TikTok. You're going to find every truly bizarre niche imaginable. And so when I'm doing it for my business, most of the time I'm just doing talking head type stuff, talking at you like I am talking right now, in the early days of me trying out TikTok, I kind of dabbled on and off, I would say, for a year before I really got serious about using it for my business and really started to figure out what works and what works for me. And I tried doing things like the kind of cheesy, you know, like bobble and point to different words on the screen. I tried doing lip syncing stuff to funny bits, did not try dancing, and I never will. That's a line in the sand for me. You will not see me dancing on camera, period. But what I found is that my audience doesn't really want those things. And that's great because then I don't have to put a lot of effort into them. When you think about spending a ton of time on TikTok, creating one single piece of content, it probably would be thing where you're dancing and you have to learn a certain set of choreography and you have to maybe do a bunch of different takes of it. Or it might be where you're, you know, lip syncing and you have to get it perfectly timed up with something. But for talking head stuff, if you're doing a 15 second or one minute video, it takes 15 seconds or one minute, right? Maybe a little bit more if you want to put a tiny bit of planning in, but it really doesn't take that long. And so I always am a huge advocate of batching things. And so what I will do on TikTok is I will batch a session, right? So I'll maybe be collecting ideas, throwing them into a spreadsheet over time and then sit down and batch a crazy number of TikToks in one day. And then I have content for however long I want. 
I think what's interesting is that you think that 15 seconds takes 15 seconds. For me, it would take me much longer to cut down what I say into 15 seconds than probably any other part of the process. Okay, fine. So you do four takes. That's what, a minute? (laughs) Fair. (laughs) Yeah. So what took you six hours then? Good point. Good point. Yeah, I guess it did take a little bit longer than 15 seconds, although most of it was you know, maybe I want to change my outfit. Maybe I want to change the camera position. One thing that I love about TikTok is that they have an amazing array of filters, kind of like Snapchat, and they make it really easy to do kind of this green screen function. So I'll use that a ton. That takes slightly more time. But on the whole, it's really quick and really easy to make content. And the interesting thing about TikTok, and one of the things that I love about it is actually it has this very kind of casual low production value style it's interesting like on instagram you are intentionally trying to be perfect and i've noticed on tiktok people are almost intentionally being imperfect so for example one part of tiktok style is they really have this kind of jump cutty look where you'll say half a sentence and then it cuts and you'll say another half a sentence and it cuts and you'll say another half of a sentence and It's odd. Like my husband pointed out to me, he's like, why do people do that? And I was like, I guess everyone does that on TikTok. And I've adopted that style as well. But the reason, but it makes it so easy to record because you just have to say half a sentence and then you have a second to think. And then you say another half of a sentence and then you have a second to think. And then you say another half of a sentence. It makes it just so fast and easy. And you don't have to have something perfectly dialed in or perfectly memorized in order to get it right. And 15 seconds versus, so it's recently gone to like a minute, but everything that I have read and absorbed about TikTok is that the average TikTok is watched for about seven seconds. So would you advocate getting better at the shorter 15 second ones first or going full on into a minute with a strong hook in the first seven? Well, as someone whose entire life revolves around really short for you content, like 10 minute, 8 minute, 12 minute TED Talks, I would say shorter is almost always better. And it's interesting because TikTok has recently rolled out to some creators, not all creators, but some creators have now gotten three minute videos and I have watched it be a disaster because most people, I think, fell in love with the app for its short formness and the three minute videos, in my opinion, is just too long. So I would focus on starting with 15 seconds or a minute, depending on what your account allows you and then maybe consider going longer than that. But part of the beauty of the app and the reason why I think it's so successful is it forces you to be so succinct. And so people can really quickly decide for themselves, do I want to keep watching her? Do I not? Do I want to click into her profile and see way more of her stuff? And I think in general, starting on the short side, giving people like a little bit of an appetizer of what you're like that will give them the choice then of, do I want to see more? Do I want to see a longer video, for example? Right. I just wanted to go through all the practicalities first, because I feel like that's people's initial stumbling block of like, this is just going to take me forever to learn my shuffle footwork to be able to sure. like dance <laughs> to some random song. And then how does that connect back to my business? If you want to get started on TikTok, I'm not going to lie, it is going to take a second to learn it. There is a little bit of a learning curve, but once you learn it, it's incredibly fast and incredibly easy. So just stick with it through the learning curve. I had to go through it with you as well. But really what I would suggest for the first week, if you're thinking about using TikTok and you've perhaps never used it, would be to download the app, create your account for your business, and then just start enjoying it. Enjoy it as a consumer first. Maybe use it for a week, swipe through things, see what you like, see what you don't. 
again, the first thing you're going to encounter is a bunch of dancing teenagers. But the incredible thing about TikTok's algorithm and the reason why I just like cannot say enough good things about it is it very quickly learns you and your preferences. And so in swiping, it's going to give you more and more and more of what you want. And so you're going to start to see what works, why you like it, why you don't, and so on and so forth. So I would do that first and then learn how to use the editing function. And again, make a bunch of practice videos. It's really easy to do. You're going to start to quickly learn how to use it. Maybe watch a YouTube tutorial or two if you need to. But there is a little bit of a learning curve before you get to that point where it's just super easy and fast. But again, I think that learning curve would take half a day, maybe at the most. So I think most people start off thinking, okay, A, TikTok, embarrassing, because you're going to feel like you're like dad dancing at some teenager's wedding, then think that feels like a lot of work, and then think who's really going to buy anything off me on TikTok anyway. So I feel like we've covered the first two. Now I'm kind of like, are we using TikTok as a discoverability mechanism and sending people back to our Instagram or our Facebook so that they can see our like quote unquote real content to buy from us? Or are people actually buying from TikTok? All of the above. I think TikTok is by far the best platform for discoverability. And that's because, again, the way the algorithm works is it's learning your preferences and serving you those things. Of course, there there is such a thing as followers on TikTok. You can follow people, but followers as a concept is much less important on TikTok than it is, for example, on Instagram. And I think the beauty of TikTok, and I'm sure there'll be another app in three years, and I'll be back on your podcast talking about this. But the beauty of TikTok right now is that it is, as everyone's been saying, the like the Wild West, right? It's the early days of Instagram, for example. And for anyone who maybe joined Instagram, quote unquote, too late, like myself, TikTok is an amazing opportunity because it's not a pay to play platform and it doesn't rely quite so much on followers. So you can get a ton of eyeballs on your content right away. So, for example, I posted a video a while back about my business mentor, Mel Kriegsman. And that video or that TikTok was viewed 120,000 times. It had 1,100 shares. It had more than 400 comments, which is, I can't even describe how much better that is than any content I've ever posted on Instagram. But the really interesting thing is when you look at the analytics of that post and when you look at the analytics of a lot of my posts, only 1% of the people who viewed that video were following me. Whereas... On the flip side, on Instagram, if I look at my analytics, almost everyone who sees my stuff is following me. There's almost no discoverability anymore on Instagram, whereas on TikTok, it's the exact opposite. You'll constantly get an influx of new people, which is really, really helpful for your business. Of course, to your point, who cares if you're getting eyeballs on your stuff if you're not selling anything? Well, people are definitely selling a lot of things. In fact, one of my most popular TikToks was about this myth and i got hundreds of creators posting in my comments saying they're wrong you know i am selling tons and tons of things on tiktok when i first started dabbling on tiktok in 2020 i was just kind of playing around with it and then i really got serious about it in the beginning of january 2021 and within a month i'd already sold you know five figures worth of services to people who had found me on tiktok who had not found me on any other platform never heard of me They only heard about me on TikTok and they then paid for a $5,000 program. So 
not only is it converting, but it can also convert on pretty high ticket things. I like all the sound of this. I like the discoverability side of things. I like the talking head. My preference for content is talking, obviously, because that's why I have a podcast. I like that people are going to buy based off of what I share. My question then comes to, so you are a speaking coach and a speech writer. You constantly have ideas about what to talk about. For the less speaker universe people out there who are now thinking, okay, I can film a talking head TikTok, what do they film it about? Well, it could be anything. It's certainly, I would imagine you can talk about your clients, you can talk about yourself, you can talk about your process. A lot of what I share are just kind of fun facts, right? There's certainly a lot of people who do hardcore education on TikTok, but for me, I've found the things that perform the best are kind of fun facts about my day, fun facts about my business, fun facts about my clients, interesting things I've learned from my clients. That's a lot of what performs really, really well. So it could be anything, but I would definitely test it out and then look at your analytics and see what's performing really, really well. I've learned over time that people don't want this. They do want this for me. I'm sure it's a little bit different for every single person, but the good thing about TikTok is it moves really fast. So it's really easy to learn what's working and what doesn't, especially because you can get a ton of eyeballs on your content. Whereas on Instagram, for example, again, because I joined so late, I had a really hard time telling what was working and what wasn't because I wasn't getting a lot of traction on anything. I was getting slightly more traction in one place, slightly less, but I couldn't make clear decisions. Whereas on TikTok, there's a huge difference between having a post that has 500,000 views versus a post that has 300 views. And you can always repost that post that has 300 views and try it again and see if it works. But I think it's just worth playing around with and seeing what works best for your business. So even if people were going to batch their whole first set, I mean, let's not challenge people to do 50 TikToks in six hours. But if somebody wanted to batch, like say they were going to do 10 TikToks, would you suggest that within those 10 TikToks, they try like a couple of different things? Like one video is straight talking head, one's got a little bit of something, one's got a filter, one's got whatever, so that they can start to gather some data about what's working right away? Oh, uh, yeah, I think that's a great idea. If you're going to start out batching your own content, maybe you just want to start with 10 posts. Great. That's a perfect place to be. My suggestion is to really start out super simple. Don't worry about doing anything too fancy. Again, don't worry about lip syncing or dancing or pointing. I find the pointing thing to just be the most inauthentic thing in the world. I hate it personally. So I would just talk to the camera like it's your best friend, your husband, your wife, and share something interesting, right? Like I always find that the best content is that kind of thing. Like my husband walks in the door and I'm like, oh my God, I, you won't believe what happened. You won't believe what happened today. That's the kind of thing that does usually really well on TikTok. And so it could be about your business. Oh my God, you won't believe what happened with this client today. Or, oh my God, you won't believe what this client told me today. Oh my God, you won't believe, you know, this really interesting thing that I learned about XYZ today. Those are the kinds of things that are A, easy to record, but B, tend to do really well because TikTok has this very casual, personal flavor to it. So if you can stay in that casual, personal vein, I think it does really well. It's been really interesting to, to me to watch a lot of the big creators from Instagram, people who you know their name, I'm not going to say their name, but 
people who are really, really successful and famous on Instagram trying to transition over to TikTok. And for a lot of them, it's been an absolute train wreck. Like it's been really interesting to watch how many people are really successful on Instagram, have teeny tiny followings and almost no traction on TikTok. And I think the reason why is they've carried over some of that fakeness of Instagram onto TikTok and it comes across as super inauthentic. It just does not work. So always start with the super casual, super authentic on TikTok. A lot of my highest performing posts, I noticed early on, I'm wearing no makeup. I may be in like a $4 H&M t-shirt. You know, maybe I'm in bed. Maybe I'm, you know, just in my living room. Everything about it is so casual. So start with that in mind. Don't try to do the perfect, perfect Instagram post that you're used to doing. So it's more like a FaceTime with a friend than it is like a TV interview, for example. Exactly. Yep. Way more casual FaceTime with your best friend than I need to prepare for this engagement. Got it. Is there anything else that you want to tell us about TikTok that you think is fascinating because I know you think TikTok is fascinating and I imagine that there are entire elements of TikTok that I know nothing about so I couldn't even ask the question. So one thing I really love about TikTok is that your posts have a longer lifespan than on Instagram or Facebook. So obviously we know for YouTube or Pinterest you can create a post and people will see it days or weeks or months or years later because YouTube and Pinterest are really powerful search algorithms in their own right, right? But with something like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you're really only getting value out of that post for the first few hours, which is part of what I hated about creating content for Instagram is it's like, great, I could post a million times a day if I wanted to, but you're constantly having to make so much new content. Whereas what I really love about TikTok is of course it's not a you know it's not a search engine like youtube or pinterest but a lot of your posts will have a long lifespan so for example i made a post in january about one of my tedx plans and it got a ton of traction in january and i was super excited in fact that that post drove 1500 people to my email list which is a number I've never seen from any single Instagram post, right? 1,500 people on my email list, that was huge. That was the biggest spike in my email list I've ever seen. But what's really interesting about that video still is getting views day in and day out. So you'll have a section of your content, of course, that dies immediately. But then you're also gonna have a lot of videos that just keep doing well over and over and over and over again, kind of indefinitely. And I've noticed this with a lot of other creators as well. A lot of times I'll see a really cool video of theirs and I'll click into their profile and I can't find it. And then I realize that the reason I can't find it is because it's like six months back in the timeline. And so that's just another reason to use TikTok is because of course not all of your content will be living on forever, but you at least know that some amount of your videos are gonna be getting a lot of traction later, which just means less work, more bang for your buck. Actually, I have a friend who, she's someone I discovered on TikTok and we became DM friends on TikTok. And then 
I actually helped her get a TEDx talk. So she then gave a TEDx talk from TikTok, which is very cool. My first TikTok curated TEDx speaker, Robin Resigno, she's on TikTok as Teach, but it's funny because she has dyed her hair multiple times in the course of her TikTok career. And I will occasionally see it serving up videos from different hairstyles. And I'll be like, huh, interesting. Okay, that was a few months ago. You know, now I'm seeing her with blue hair. Now I'm seeing her with brown hair. She hasn't changed her hair, but TikTok's just serving the old stuff. So let's say that you've convinced people, right? So it's good for discoverability. People do buy. It's good for longevity of your content. It's relatively easy to batch some content and release it. People can talk about pretty much anything and see what works. Why shouldn't people use TikTok? Or what would you not do on the platform? I think the biggest thing is posting content on the platform that's not designed for the platform. You'll see some people try to use reuse content from like an IGTV or a YouTube video. I've seen it work sometimes, but for the most part, TikTok is pretty specific about the type of content. And I think users are pretty savvy about that. So I've noticed that people will just swipe right through something that doesn't look like it was made for TikTok. So I would not recommend starting off by repurposing a bunch of things from another platform. I would just start creating native content to the platform. That being said, when I was first getting started, one of the things that I used as kind of inspiration for what to create on TikTok is I looked back through what worked for me on IGTV and then I used those ideas to create new TikToks. Got it. So use your other platforms as inspiration, but TikTok is not a repurposing site is basically the the gist of it. Yeah. If anything, what I would recommend is you create native content on TikTok and then you just download that and put that on IG stories or you can put it on Reels, but it, it takes a few steps. But if anything, I would repurpose TikTok to other platforms rather than other platforms to TikTok. So I feel like we've covered a lot in this conversation. And normally our conversations are like, do TikTok? No, do TikTok? No, do TikTok? No. But you're winning me over with the business case. So can we pull together all of the bits and pieces that we've talked about, all the different angles of TikTok? And can you? summarize why as a business person I should be on TikTok. Yes, I would love to. So one is discoverability. You're going to get a ton of new eyeballs on your content that have never seen you before. And that's going to be the case every single time you post something. New people, new people, new people. Number two is that it actually is, in my opinion, if you're a service provider or a course creator, it is the most direct possible sample of your work of anything that you would put out online, right? The experience of watching me talk on TikTok is the closest anyone could get to working with me, right? And I think that's why video has such a high conversion rate. I'll constantly get people jumping onto sales calls with me. I've never met them before in my life. And they'll be like, oh my God, we love everything about you. I've watched every single video that you've ever posted. And that has never happened to me with text-based posts. So whether you like it or not, I know most people don't like speaking and most people don't like speaking on camera. Speaking on camera is a reality of business and that is only going to get more true with time, right? Especially as so many of us have adapted to being on Zoom. So getting your feet wet on TikTok now is a really, really great way to practice speaking both for when you're speaking on stage, but also speaking on camera. And then the other thing is just that it is just this wonderful culture and really, really, really supportive 
One of the things that's really interesting that I've noticed on TikTok is you get really thoughtful, really insightful comments, which just propel me to make more and more and more content and just serve my audience better and better. I found that the quality of content of comments on TikTok as a business owner are so much higher than any other platform. It's it's really truly useful and the TikTok community is just so wonderful and supporting on the whole. So if people are convinced that TikTok is the way forward, but they're nervous about speaking, they know they want to speak more for their business, because as you say, you need to have some kind of video platform, some kind of audio platform where people can experience you. How can they get some help from you? So first thing I would do is download the TikTok app and follow me on TikTok. That's a great place to start. You can also find all kinds of free resources in my link in bio. But if you're just looking to get started, one thing I would try out is my quiz. I have an amazing quiz that really helps you figure out what your speaking style is. I think a lot of the reason people hate public speaking is because they're trying to be someone they're not. So first identify what speaking style works for you and then getting into public speaking is the way to go. Awesome. Now, as you know, on my show, I like to end with the same two questions for everybody. And I'm going to ask you them again because I'm curious to see whether yours have changed over the course of a year because it's quite a year, right? So what is the number one lifestyle boundary you have for your business? I think I know what I said last year, but I'm going to say something different intentionally. So something I'm obsessed with, and it, it's going to be the next episode I'm on. I'm pitching you right now, just so you know, this is the pitch for the next podcast we're going to do together. Something I've become really obsessed with is the end of email. I hate email so much. You know that I hate checking DMs. And I've recently been become really obsessed with the idea of not checking email often. And so I added a line in my signature saying, I only check email once a day, often at night. If you need a fast response, text me. And that's something that I immediately got all kinds of amazing feedback on, which I didn't expect. I thought a lot, some clients would be annoyed by it. And my plan is to increase that from one day to two days to three days and see if I can get away with only checking my email twice a week. And that's because I realized for myself, as someone whose job is largely creative, right, most of my job is reading scripts, writing scripts, editing scripts, email, DMs, all of that is extremely interruptive. And so my hope is that I will be able to kind of work email out of my workflow. Okay. So now you, as the business owner, how are you communicating with your people? If email is the devil, what are you thinking about putting in place to replace it on the other side so that you're not creating the problem as well as not experiencing the problem? What are you doing with your email list? Are you emailing them less? Great question. I'm playing around with sending fewer emails. I know most email marketing gurus will tell you to send more, but I've just thought a lot about it. And on the consumer side, like as someone who receives email newsletters, I don't want to hear from most people twice a week, right? It really feels overwhelming and most of those get deleted. I used to send two emails a week to my list and I had a fun time doing it and I've thought a lot about it. And now I've cut down to really two times a month or even once a month. And my hope is that rather than kind of always being top of mind for everyone all the time, 
I'm kind of letting people live their lives and periodically checking in just like I would a good business acquaintance or friend and just trust that someone who needs me will remember me and find me. You know, like I'm not, for example, hounding prospective clients or even clients that I work with all the time. I'm not hounding them twice a week. Right. I might check in once a month, once a quarter and be like, hey, we worked on this project a while back. Do you have anything else that you want to work on? So that's just something I've been thinking a lot about is what do I want as a consumer and how can we create a better working environment for each other by not only having our own boundaries, but then protecting each other's time as well. It's a very good pitch for another episode. Thank you. It's almost I, like you, you're a um, professional. Yeah, I'm very happy to just roll right into it if you want. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know me. You can come back in a year with data and then we'll talk. <laughs> okay, perfect. I'm actually, I'm so hyped to do that. I've already been thinking to myself, I need to start tracking stuff around this experiment specifically for Diane. If there's no data, I'm not listening. Okay, finally, worst piece of cookie cutter advice you've had as an entrepreneur? I think the worst piece of cookie cutter advice is that you should do something because everyone does it or because you quote unquote should do it. So for example, we talked about earlier my kind of come to Jesus crisis moment around Instagram where I just had this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I hate Instagram so much. What do I do? Like, how do I keep living on Instagram when I hate it? And your advice was kind of like, don't do it then, you know, try to minimize the amount of effort and attention that you put into Instagram if you hate it so much. And that I think is the right way to go. You shouldn't be doing anything in your business that you truly, truly hate. We all have to do the kind of drudgery, right? But but any sort of significant thing, if you really hate it, just don't do it. No matter what the gurus say about, oh, you can't have a business if you're not on Instagram. Well, that's not true. Yeah, I think there's stuff that you can hate that has to happen, like taxes. Right. And there's stuff that you can hate that has alternatives, and you just pick an alternative. For sure. Like, when the Clubhouse hype kind of peaked, everyone was like, you have to get on Clubhouse. Clubhouse is perfect for you, Helena, because you're the public speaking person, and public speaking is Clubhouse, and Clubhouse is public speaking. And I tried it, and I despised it. Like, I can't even describe to you how much I hated the experience of being on Clubhouse. And so I just decided, nope not going to do it. Not going to be on it. I'm not even going to try because I hate it and I don't want to hate my business. So case closed. Anyway, don't do anything right. in your business that you hate. That's what I'm going to say. Except TikTok. You must do TikTok. Except for TikTok, which is mandatory. Sorry. This has been so fun. So how do people find you on TikTok? If people are going to download the app for the first time, how do they yes. actually find you? Like, let's yep. go basics. So my username everywhere pretty much is at Helena Speaking, which Diane will link in the show notes. You can find my website, HelenaBowen.com. Awesome. This has been way more persuasive mm. than I expected. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Can't wait for episode number three with Helena. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast and leave us a review. 